0: But words bathed in truth is transforming. So when I heard C.S. Lewis say, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deafened world. This one sentence pretty much summarized my whole entire life. And I'm done with my testimony. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. I asked my kids the other day, well, I didn't really ask them, I told them. I was like, aren't you glad that your story, your personal story, is not in the Bible? And they all were like, yeah, you know, and... I can imagine some of people, some of you more or less probably are happy that that's not the case. But unfortunately for me, that was true. My story was in the Bible. And when I was about 13 years old, I had this gaping hole where my heart should be. And I went on a mission to try to fill that void. I learned how to research, because my school was all about research, research, check your facts, right? And I went on a mission, more or less, to learn about as many religions, learn about astrology, learn about meditation, learn about the saints and the Catholic religion, and nothing was able to speak to this hole in my heart. But before I left the library that day, I grabbed the Bible, and I don't know what God was doing, but he did something, and I opened up to 2 Samuel 13, and I was absolutely captivated by the title. The title was The Rape of Tamar. Immediately, I shuddered. In the hood, they would say, "I was shook." Elvis would say, "She was all shook up." right? But I was froze, and it stopped me in my track. It intrigued me. So I kept reading. So let me just summarize what the story of Tamar is all about. Tamar had a brother, a biological brother, and his name was Absalom. Is that the right? Pronunciation. Tamar and Absalom were known as a favored pair. They were known for their beauty. Absalom had long, luscious hair. I can imagine he looked like Aquaman, you know. Um, And wherever they went, they had favor, they had promise. And I want to just more or less talk a little bit about this story because I relate to it so much because of the meaning that's found in the story. Okay, so Tamra has an older brother. I don't even like to pronounce his name, I think the Lord just tried to pull it out of out of my head so I don't remember it, but I pronounce it as Amnon, is that right? So Amnon was the first son of King David. And the first son of King David developed an insatiable obsession with his little sister. And it made him sick, it made him ill, to the point where he confided in his cousin, and his cousin told him, you know, why are you sick? And he finally said, well, I'm, I'm in love with my sister, Tamar, the cousin and Ammon devised a plan so that Amnon would be able to sleep with his sister. He pretended to be ill when his sister came to bring him his favorite meal because she was just that loyal. She loved her older brother. He sent all the servants away and told her to come feed me in my room. He accosted her. She begged him, please, don't do this. This is a sin in Israel. But yet, he overpowered her, and he had his way with her. Now, in her grieving, she tore her robe, something similar to, like, um, what's his name? The one with the beautiful robe, Joshua. Was that, is that his name? Joseph, Joseph, Joseph with the, the dreams interpreter, right? She tore her robe, she put ashes over her face to grieve her lost innocence. Now, Absalom was the only one who sought justice for her, her brother her biological brother, her full brother. And after two years of Tamar living as a desolate woman, her brother called for Anam's death, and he was killed. Now, that was pretty dark, but this is my truth. And if I want to reveal who it is I am, I have three areas that I would need to share with you um, that has made me who I am and allowed me to stand here today testifying to the goodness of God and how he made all things new, even though my innocence was stolen. Now, my name was not given to me by my family. I am a twin If you guys didn't know. And during childbirth, it was very difficult. I almost died. Um, And my mom was so exhausted, she couldn't name me. She named my sister after her, Marlene. Her name was, my mom's name was Marlene, named my sister, Carlene. She couldn't find a name for me. So she asked a nurse for help. And all everybody can do was come into this room. And praise this beautiful baby. And the nurse just said, she's so beautiful. we got to give her a, right, a good name. And my mom's like, I don't know. Just name her anything. You know, in her little accent. So the nurse ran over and grabbed a book of names. And I found out that the Greek translation of my name means most Beautiful. And my last name, Pierre, is a French masculine, means Peter, which translates as rock or stone. So here I am, thirteen, reading the story, and it's the same equivalence of me seeing or hearing directly from God. And I did what every unbeliever would do. I ran. It was too much. For the first time in my life, I heard a voice tell me who I was, and I did what I knew best, run in the face of vulnerability. So that was 13. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the environment that I grew up in. I... I always believed that I grew up in a wolf's den. I grew up with wolves who masqueraded as sheep. And I had to learn how to survive. And I got some bumps and bruises. I got some scars. But let me tell you, these scars are evidence of healing because what happened to me did not kill me. It made me who I am. It made me strong, it made me wise, it made me sharp. It gave me laser eyes to see into the deception that was going on right in front of me, right in my own home. When I was six years old, my mother made it a habit of parading us around because we were we were beautiful kids. And one day my mom pulled me out of school and said, You're going to help mommy not go to jail. And I said, oh, wow, yes. I'm going to make sure. What do I got to do? She said, just sit there and be cute, baby. When the judge looks at me, he's going to see you, and he's not going to want to lock me up, okay? I said, okay, great. My sister was sleeping. I'm elbowing her. Sit up straight. We got a job to do. They called my mom's name. The judge read her charges. And before he even slammed the gravel to the slab, my mom was in handcuffs, and that was the last time I saw my mother as a six-year-old girl. Needless to say, I was defenseless. She was my protection. She was the person that looked like me. She talked like me. She even walked pigeon-toed like me. And now she's gone. I want to talk to you about seven times that the enemy caused my peers around me to make me stumble. The first time was the first time I went to Brooklyn, New York after moving down from Massachusetts in 92. I met my uncle for the first time. We stayed at his house for the Labor Day parade. It's a big Haitian festival. Carnival goes on. There's constant partying. The first night, my uncle walked around in his underwear, and something said, this is disgusting. Why is a grown man walking around in front of two little children. But I didn't say anything. The second night, he brought over a girl and proceeded to have intimate relationships while he looked at us while we were on the floor. The third night, he put alcohol in our orange juice and took turns brutally raping me and my twin sister. The second time that I was caused to stumble, I came back. My brothers had come back from New York after taking their turns with my uncle. My brother and older sister, something changed in them. They were not who I knew them to be. And it was was evident. My grandmother struggled significantly, quietly, with alcoholism and a crack dependence. I remember being a little kid, seven years old, not wanting to be at the house because I did not know what was going to happen to us because play was not play at home. Play was perversion at home. And everything that those kids learned out in the world, they came back and they did it to us. And I was not having it. And I did not want my little sister I looked at my twin as my little sister, right? She's older than me. To have to endure what we endured, again. But that didn't happen. The second time I was caused to stumble, my brother tricked me into coming into his room to teach him how to play the piano. And my brother then brutally Raped me. The third time, and bear with me, guys. We have, by the way, we have wonderful therapists here. If you are triggered, you reach out. Linda, raise your hand. Rachel, raise your hand. You check base with one of those girls. They will help you because they helped me. The third time I was caused to stumble, stumble more or less, was when I started to go to school. I was about eight years old at this time, and school was my safe place. School was the only place that I can be me, where I can be a kid. And all of a sudden, my peers started to turn on me. So needless to say, whenever that happened at school, I was not having it. I decided that I was gonna go on a mission for anyone who was acting inappropriately to be their bully, so that other girls wouldn't have to go through What I endured. So I got suspended a lot. Imagine that, eight-year-olds getting suspended. It was a lot of in-house. I organized a lot of things and I ate a lot of peeps. (laughs) So that happened to me. It felt like everywhere I went, all people wanted to do was touch my private parts. What the heck was good with being beautiful? if all people want to do is hurt me, to stain me, to break me. And I started despising everything that I was. When I was nine, God is just so amazing. He sent me a big brother and a big sister. They chose to give me and my twin sisters a big brother and a big sister. It's one of those programs to kind of help. Families along, you know, give them nice mentors. And during a roller skate accident, we were rushed to the hospital. My sister got blood work because she crushed, she almost crushed her kneecap. And the doctors find out that these two nine-year-olds are positive for syphilis. Where does a nine-year-old get syphilis? I had this thought in my head when we were hospitalized that if they just asked me the right questions, I will tell them everything. I would tell them everything. I was looking for somebody to save me, somebody to see what was happening. Not one doctor sat down and looked at me and said, are you safe? Has anybody touched you? Not one. The fourth time, I was about 10 years old, and I felt like this was the most ultimate betrayal. My oldest sister took turns with me and my twin sister, and also sexually abused me. My sister was everything that I looked up to, and to see her do the same thing that these men did to me, something in my spirit just said, this is evil. And I'm telling you, I've been fighting demons all my life and I know them well, I know them well. So when I saw that demon in her face, when she broke my heart, I vowed to never, ever let anyone touch a hair on my twin or my two younger siblings. I made it my job to be the protector. And let me tell you right now, I've been breaking generational curses since I was seven years old. And I don't say that on my own strength. I say that because God, alive in me, empowered me to escape the hands of the people that meant evil for me. We have been talking in youth, about the seven deadly sins. And don't think you guys are going to miss out on the last seven sin. Envy. Envy is something that is poisonous. And I experienced it in my own home. My siblings were jealous of me. My aunts and uncles were jealous of the favor that was placed on me. And everywhere that I looked, there was no hope. There was no light, but there was a voice inside of me that kept telling me, lean not on your own understanding. He said, what does that mean? He said, I'm going to show you. Just be obedient, my child. Those are the words that God put on the inside of me. And those are the words that helped me go from Victory to victory in the face of my enemies. When I was 11, my mom was officially deported after serving a a two-and-a-half-year sentence. I wouldn't get to see my mother again until I was about 16 years old for a 10-day vacation in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. But let me tell you something. Just knowing that she was gone... I felt the spirit of abandonment come over me, over and over again. My grandmother was still in her addiction, still leaving us. They did nothing to remove these people from my world after we told them what was happening. So we had to rely on God to make a way for us. He is my way maker, my miracle worker, the promise keeper. He's my light in the darkness. That's who he is. That is who he is. So when I was about 12 years old, God had already quickened me. I've already experienced this heartache. And you know that saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, can't get fooled again. All right? No one was fooling me again. So when I was 12 and they said, oh, you're going back to New York to hang out with your uncle. I said, oh, we'll see. We'll see. I made such a stink that he couldn't even allow me into his home. I made his spirit so uncomfortable that when he looked me in the eyes, he turned the other way and he had to find another place for me. So he did. And I was safe. But that same trip showed me two things. The devil uses the same tactics, but when you are at a new level, you will encounter a new face of a new devil. So, I wasn't expecting, I knew my uncle was not going to hurt me, but I was not expecting that he would try to traffic me and my twin sister. He brought us to this private restaurant where all of his bougie friends were, gave us alizé and mixers, and watched and waited until we got drunk. I knew immediately what was happening as soon as the room started spinning, and I went to the outside and I threw up. And I told my sister, we are never coming back to this place again. We faked sickness. He got us back home. Crisis averted. God is good. He made a way. Only for us to go back to this home with another feeble grandma who didn't have eyes to watch over the many kids that were in the house, and while I lay asleep, my own cousins would try to molest me. Everywhere I went, this is what happened. But you know, the Lord used my insomnia for good. He used my bad gas for better, right? Man, my anxiety just sat in my gut. And every time I felt some hand trying to climb up, bam! You got hit with a bomb! I would see him come over to my little, my twin sister, and I would be like, oh, wait for this. Stood up like this. Looked him right in the eyes. And then fell right back to sleep, acting like I was sleeping. They were so freaked out. They didn't know what to do with themselves. See, God is, God is amazing. He has a wonderful personality. And even in a dark situation, he was allowing me to laugh. He was allowing me to have joy. He was saving my life. He was preserving my heart. And I want to let you guys know something. Do not leave your kids with just anybody. You need to know them through and through. And pray every day over them for a hedge of protection. Because let me tell you, when Leah prayed for a hedge of protection over me, I walk in an authority right now. And anybody who tries to look at me with sin in their eyes, they avoid me. Because I'm under the covering of a spiritual, rich mother. Now let me just give you guys some statistics. statistics okay. There was a survey conducted last year about child victimization. Sixty-six percent of kids who reported that they were abused were between the ages of 12 and 17. Thirty-four percent were under the age of 12. These are the pivotal years. These are the watchful years These are the years that you need to be smothering your children so that the enemy does not pervert what the Lord made beautiful. So teach your children what the beautiful things are in this world so they are not tempted or misinformed by the world. Teach your children what kindness is. When they look at you, let them see kindness in your eyes so that they can recognize when God is sending them an earthbound angel that they are there to intercede for them. Let them see you. Let them see God. Most importantly, grace. We need grace. We need grace. If the kids don't know what grace looks like, they will look for it in perverted ways. Now let me tell you something. When I told my grandmother, when I told my aunt, what they were doing to me, they made me keep a secret. Children are not built for secrets. Children are built to contain truth. And only truth. So that they can be able to distinguish what is a lie and what is deception. Give them truth, even if it's difficult. When I was 13... What triggered my exploration was me maturing as a woman. The first time in my life, I recognized I had a flashback. You guys know what flashbacks are, right? I would say anybody who struggles with flashbacks right now, that you would develop a neural pathway in your brain that would cause you to surrender that flashback to the Lord. Because when you surrender that flashback to the Lord, you know what happens? Divine revelation. God is a gentleman. And he is patient. And he will only reveal to you what you are ready for. When you're ready for it. So if you would just trust God with the memories that are flashing through your mind... He will surely shine a light into those dark areas. How's my time, guys? I want to talk to you guys about the wilderness, okay? When I realized that my situation at home wasn't going to change, I couldn't count on my grandmother to choose goodness, to choose truth over allowing my perpetrators to move back into my home after the Lord had already made a way. The Lord literally caused my brother to go to jail for three years so that my sister and my little brothers can grow up in peace. He removed my eldest sister out of the home because she was so emotionally unstable, she was aggressive, and she literally put us in a situation where we experience domestic violence on a daily basis. I watched my older sister, the woman that I love, the, the, the girl that I wanted to be like, beat the crap out of my grandmother. My only protector. I had to watch that. And I prayed, Lord God, just let me be big. Just let me be big so I can take care of her for myself. But the Lord did not want my heart. To remain stone. The Lord had other plans, and I'm so glad that He didn't allow me to become a little homicidal maniac. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but needless to say, guys, I grew up with a lot of lies in my head, I grew up with a lot of misinformation. My grandmother used to say, Guys, you guys are so beautiful. You are going to be the people that make our family rich because you're going to get married. I was like, and Beverly's sitting there right there, like, um, what about me? As soon as she turns the corner, boom, 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 boom. I had a target on my back. Every time I was praised in front of the eyes of the people that envied me, the enemy used that to torment me. So I started telling Grady, stop it! I don't need your praises! No, just let me be me! Get away! I was turning away from that, and you know what? When I turned away from that, there was nothing in me telling me who I was. I had no idea who I was. And when you don't know who you are, that's when the enemy comes and plants seeds of inequity. So if you want nothing but good fruit to flow from your heart, you need to let some stuff die. When that stuff dies, it fertilizes the ground so new life can multiply. And you need to understand that right now. If there's any inequity, if there's any sin that's separating you from identifying with Christ, it's your job as the weaver to uproot it and cast it into the fire. It's your job. God will lead you, but your prayer will deliver you. So some of you guys don't know this. I think only one or two of you guys do. When I was 19, I didn't have much of an understanding of who I was. I knew I needed to get to school, but I knew I was broke. So I heard that, you're going to get married, you're going to be rich, I fixed it, I fixed my eyes on a task. I chose to find a husband. I found a husband who can give me what I want. I looked at marriage as a reciprocal relationship. There was no love. I mean, he had values and morals. I didn't have any. So that didn't work, right? But needless to say, the Lord showed me that I had a responsibility to treat his people the way I always desired to be treated. So the one thing that trumped my fear was conviction. So when the Lord said, stop stealing hearts and abandoning my children, I submitted and I listened. When I was around 19, I was horribly suicidal. I had plans. I had multiple plans. But something happened in me that I cannot explain. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit who directed and ordered my feet. And he pulled me into a higher place, and gave me visions. He reclaimed my imagination, and he told me, I have a hope for you. I have a future. I have a promise for you. If you would just submit to me, I will lead you, and you will find it. I found my spiritual family at Anna Maria College. Yeah. And the way I was able to recognize who my new family was going to be, first, you guys know Billy Hazelwood? That dude's gonna be the mayor of Rhode Island one day, okay? I saw kindness in his eyes. And not once did he ever try to make my private parts public parts. Did you get that? That's, that's from the Hazelwoods. <laughs> private parts aren't public parts, guys. <laughs> Right, They belong to you and your husband or your wife, right? <laughs> then I saw a light in the smile of that girl's face. And they took me home to meet their mom. And on that woman's lips, behind those pretty teeth, That woman's tongue dances to the beat of truth. And what she prayed over me changed my life forever. She said, I will be the head and not the tail. There will be a divine switch. You will be the first and not the last. You will be the top and not the bottom. And favor will follow you. She said, let me tell you, when she said this, I almost fell out, right? (laughs) She didn't even know Me, She said, God, I prophesy a blessing over her mind, over her body, over her spirit. Bless her emotionally. (coughs) Bless her physically. Bless bless her spiritually. Bless her sexually. My eyes were closed. I said, (laughs) how does she know? How does she know? But let me tell you. That was the first time anyone ever prayed over me in my life. And I felt the Holy Spirit just come down like fire. And I left. I had to change my bra and my underwear and everything because it was just so hot. It was so real that it completely changed me. And that's how I knew that the God who can bring dead men to life Personally stepped down to heaven, from heaven, to counsel me, to lead me, to protect me. And all I did was praise. All I did was worship. And all I did was bow down. And I'm going to close with this. I want you guys to understand something. When I started to ask God in bold faith to show me his glory, he did it in pieces. He did it in pieces because he knew my little pea brain would not be able to grasp the depth of his beauty. When I was a child, he first introduced himself to me, and I knew him through fear as creator. In my suffering, he introduced himself to me as a healer. In school, he introduced himself to me through the teachers. I had a t- my second grade teacher, when I got raped by my brother, her name was Miss Hope. The first gift that I ever received at a chi- as a child was a puppy named Faith. The next teacher I had, when I was wondering, when I was trying to figure out what's a safe touch, what's a perverted touch, he gave me a male teacher named Mr. Clear. And then when I went to college and I stepped outside of the toxic covering of my family, he introduced himself to me as friend. And when I accepted him into my heart and I made him my Lord and I asked him, Lord, give me a clean heart, Rid it of burden. I asked him to order my steps because he knew this heart was broken. I asked him to help me to start over and to trust in his promise. I knew he started a work in me. I was willing to get out of my way so that he could finish what he started. And now I know him as king. I know him as king. I know him as king. He is the king. He is the king. And if you guys have not learned anything today, I pray right now that you would be bold enough to ask God, To show you his glory. And you better brace yourselves. Because as soon as you do, he is faithful. He is jealous for you. He wants your love. He wants your attention. And he wants your obedience. And in your obedience... He will make dead things beautiful. He will give you beauty for ashes. And he'll give you a new life. Not bad for the first time, right? I love you guys.